Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Another playoff episode in uh, early 2013. We've got a lot to cover on our show this week. Uh, we're going to start out with something that most shows probably don't lead with, uh, and that is the AFC and NFC Pro Bowl. We're going to get to a little controversy later of a story that came out uh, this past week. And then, of course, we're going to get to our Super Bowl coverage, which includes an interview from Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen. But going to that Pro Bowl, a few quick highlights. I know not everybody is real interested. I'm sure probably half of you out there didn't even watch the game. Uh, the final score, in case you missed it, the NFC killed the AFC 62-35. to um, Looking at the, the game summary or the, the, the box score, Guys who stood out, surprise, surprise, the rookie quarterbacks of the league. Russell Wilson from the NFC, 8 of 10, 98 yards, 3 touchdowns. Basically what he's been doing all year, scrambling around, finding guys downfield, and throwing TD passes. Uh, and for the AFC, Andrew Luck had a good uh, fourth quarter. Actually attempted 19 passes, uh, which was eh, a fair amount, I guess, for uh, three quarterbacks playing in the game. Uh, he did throw an interception, but threw two other touchdowns, threw for 205 yards. So he had the most passing yards of the six quarterbacks uh, on the day. The six quarterbacks included Andrew Luck, Matt Schaub, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson. Uh, the AFC did turn the ball over five times. Uh, early on in the game, the NFC turned it over twice. That led to uh, 14 quick points for the AFC, but after that... The NFC started taking care of the ball and really took off, uh, led 31-14 to at halftime, and kept up their pace and uh, scored 31 more points in the second half to get an astonishing 62 points. Uh, AFC really was never in this game. At one point, it was 55-21. to So uh, not much rushing in the Pro Bowl as normal. Uh, there usually aren't many uh, standout runners in the game. Uh, receiving, A.J. Green uh, caught seven passes for 119 yards, uh, had three touchdowns as well for the AFC. And Kyle Rudolph was the, the leading uh, receiver for the NFC. Uh, didn't have the most catches, but had the most yards, 122 yards, and scored a touchdown. Victor Cruz had a good day, 10 catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Vincent Jackson had two touchdowns as well. Um a couple other quick points about the game. Uh, Jeff Saturday announced that he would be retiring after this season, so it was his last game of his career. Um, so the nice uh, ceremony they had for him, actually, was one of the plays to start out um, a drive in the first quarter. Jeff Saturday hiked the ball to Peyton Manning, which um, if... Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jeff Saturday played for the Green Bay Packers this past season. So uh, with Peyton Manning on the Broncos, they, those are opposite conferences, but they let Jeff Saturday take a snap with the AFC. He snapped the ball to Peyton Manning, something that he did for many, many games in a row. All of Peyton Manning's games, uh, that streak that he had from 1998 
I'm blanking if uh, Manning's rookie season was 98 or 99. I believe it was 99. Um, and uh, all the way up to last year, uh, 2010, to, to be a matter of fact, when uh, before Peyton Manning was knocked out with his neck injury uh, for all of 2011. So that was a really nice, uh, special moment for both players. Um, Saturday, of course, in his last game, and he, he I believe he, he was the one that kept the ball, and there was a nice hug between Peyton and Saturday. So a real special moment, something that we wouldn't have had if there was no Pro Bowl <clears throat> and Roger Goodell. Um, the other thing uh, to, that I wanted to point out, I, I thought the players tried to take this game a little bit more seriously. Uh, were they going 100%? No. Um, but guys like J.J. Watt, um, nipped his finger. I think it was bleeding in the first quarter. He came back in the game. I think that's something that in the past uh, players would have sat out with. Yeah, he. it wasn't a big injury. Um, maybe it was just a tiny cut that produced some blood. But he came back in the game. I think it was commemorable for him to come back in when he could have very easily said, no, I'm done. Um, I'm sure some listeners out there are probably rolling their eyes at me. Uh, it's not that big of a deal I'm kind of overanalyzing something maybe something that's kind of small but to go into my last point that I wanted to make about the Pro Bowl I think that they should keep this game is it something that I look forward to every year like a like the all-star game of uh, Major League Baseball no absolutely not I love uh, the way the all-star game is, is run in Major League Baseball probably besides making the game count uh, that's a different argument but um, one thing baseball has gotten right, there aren't many things they've gotten right, but one thing they got right, Major League Baseball, that is, is the All-Star Game. And nothing really of the fault of the NFL, but they are just never going to have a good All-Star Game. It, first of all, it comes at the end of the year. You can't have it in the middle of a season like other leagues. You have to put it at the end of the year. Uh, it's in Hawaii, the guy, so not many fans go. It, nobody wants to really go. Um, the players don't really try. But I don't really blame them. Uh, to me, this is for the players. This There's so many things in the NFL that's for the fans. I know it's a business. They're supposed to make money. And if the Pro Bowl is not making money, they're going to take it away. But to me, this is something to give the players that haven't made the Super Bowl now because Super Bowl players don't play. But somebody who did well that year, it's a reward. Hey, we're going to fly you out to Hawaii and we're going to let you hang out with all the other great players in the NFL, great coaches, and you just get to hang out in a great spot in Honolulu and play a football game, play a game and just hang out and have fun. You know, the that's why these players, I hope that's why most of these players play, is to have fun. Um, I think a lot of people would argue, hey, do we really need to fly these players to Honolulu? Don't they get enough money, this blah, blah, blah. I, I see that argument. I do um, do have to remember not all of these players are paid millions and millions of dollars. Most of the guys that are really good are, but there's guys I'm sure that are rookies and such that you know take a take a rookie. Um, trying to think of an example, J.J. Watt in his second year, he gets to hang out with uh, veterans on the AFC side. Um, for instance, if Ray Lewis was there. Um, he's not there because he's going to the Super Bowl, but young guys like J.J. Watt would be able to hang out with a guy like Ray Lewis. That would be really cool and get you know whatever um, expertise he can get from a fellow defensive player. And that wouldn't happen if there was no Pro Bowl. 
Um, to me, the NFL makes enough money. They can take the expense of flying these guys to Hawaii and having the game and broadcasting it on NBC. or bro Maybe they should broadcast it on their own network, um, NFL network. I don't know if that would make it better or worse. There would be less advertising money if they did that. I don't know. Um, but I, I would think it would be a real shame if they got rid of the game. I'm not saying I'm a huge Pro Bowl fan that I sat down and watched the whole game on Sunday, but I, I think they should definitely keep the Pro Bowl. Very quickly, I'm going to hint upon uh, a, a scandal, um, definitely a controversy that came up during this past week, not having to do with the Super Bowl, at least Super Bowl 47, but uh, Super Bowl 37 of 10 years ago, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Oakland Raiders, uh, there were claims that head coach of the Raiders, Bill Callahan, sabotaged um, the game plan against the Buccaneers, and the players that came out and made these claims were Tim Brown and Jerry Rice also supported Tim Brown's claims. So two two guys that are that have been known to be pretty classy um, both have over a thousand catches I believe. I know Jerry Rice does. I'm pretty sure Tim Brown does as well um, have have a thousand catches. Guys that are Jerry Rice already in the Hall of Fame. Tim Brown if he's not already he will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I don't. I'm not at all going to say that these guys are liars or are out for publicity, but I just have a hard time believing this story. I really do. Um, Tampa Bay. I what what I think is a shame about these claims is it's taking away from Tampa Bay's Super Bowl victory, which was quite dominating. Uh, Tampa Bay returned three touchdown, three interceptions for touchdowns in that game, uh, something that I don't think has ever been done in Super Bowl history. Uh, prior to that or or since so yeah it watching the game i guess live you really were surprised at how ineffective the the raiders offense was but tampa bay seemed to be that good um and taking away or making a change in the game plan which apparently came on friday during the super bowl week um that could have had a huge effect on quarterback rich gannon and and the offense but I really think Tampa Bay was that good on defense that um, I, I don't really buy into the story. Um, I also think for the sake of the NFL, the sake of the integrity of the Super Bowl, I would hope to think that the story is not true. Um, but that's my own take on it. Once again, if you have not uh, heard much about the story, uh, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice came out and made accusations against their former head coach, Bill Callahan, that he sabotaged the game plan for Super Bowl 37, and the reason for it was he was good friends with John Gruden and hated Al Davis and the Raider organization so much he didn't care to win the Super Bowl and he'd rather have his friend win it. Pretty uh, crazy uh, claims that, personally, I just don't think there's much truth to. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with that interview from Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going to go straight to that interview from Cooper Allen. Here's what Allen had to say uh, about the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday. 
And we're welcoming on to this week's show uh, con- FN contributor Cooper Allen. He's been on the show before. Thanks, Cooper, for coming on again. Not a problem, Dave. Glad to be back. So uh, this is a little Super Bowl preview show that we have uh, for, for next week. Um, Super Bowl coming right up between the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, what makes the 49ers such a tough team uh, to, to beat this year in the NFL, Cooper? Um, the 49ers were great. They're the uh, best team in the NFC, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I think it really comes down to uh, the battle of the trenches. Uh, starting starting with their defense, uh, just their whole defensive attitude is uh, one of the toughest, meanest, nastiest defensive units in football. You have Justin Smith mm-hmm. on the defensive line, almost 800 career tackles, over 75 sacks. Uh, the guy's been a beast throughout his career. Uh, he missed a couple games of injury, but uh, when he's in there, he's uh, one of the top players in the game. And then you have uh, Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. Uh, two of the best inside linebackers in the game. They both made the Pro Bowl, but uh, are not playing because they're in the Super Bowl. Right. And um, their offensive line is also one of the best in the game. And uh, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that the game is won and lost in the trenches. So when you have a guy like Justin Smith on the defensive line and a top offensive line, you're, uh, you're a pretty strong team. I agree with you, Cooper, that uh, football, no matter how much uh, people want to make a big deal about the the stars in the league. Uh, football is still one in the trenches. And great point with Justin Smith, uh, underappreciated player, I think, in the NFL. He makes other players around him shine and, and makes them better. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to the offense, uh, Colin Kaepernick, at quarterback for the 49ers, has, has been um, Ridiculous, I guess you could say, through the playoffs, set a record for rushing yards in a game for a quarterback against the Packers. Was contained against uh, the Falcons in the NFC Championship game, but Frank Gore uh, really went off and had a great game, scored two touchdowns. What can the Ravens do to slow down uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and Frank Gore while they're at it? Right. As you mentioned, their run game has been uh, phenomenal this playoffs. Between Gore and Kaepernick, the two of them are lighting it up. I think what you got to do, I think you force Kaepernick to run the ball. Try to get him outside of the pocket, blitz early and often, make him make the big play. Um, just a second-year guy playing in a big game. you got to see, he's obviously going to be nervous, and you got to see how he handles it. So send, send the blitz and uh, make him make a big play. Get him out of the pocket a bit. And they're going to try, um, he's going to try to throw the football, but if you get him out of the pocket and... Make him uh, make him run, make him one-dimensional. Then uh, he's gonna he's gonna struggle when he uh, does have to throw the football. Interesting strategy, Cooper. So you'd rather see Colin Kaepernick running if you think if you were the Ravens. Uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, I'd like to see them get to him and uh, see if see what he can do outside of the pocket. I know he's a he's a very talented player and uh, he has the ability of making some big plays outside of the pocket, but I think. Uh, I think if you get him scared and get him running quick, uh, then uh, they'll have some success. And, and uh, Cooper does make a great point with uh, Kaepernick perhaps being uh, nervous. This only the tenth start in his NFL career will be in the Super Bowl. Uh, Cooper for San Francisco, what do they have to do to win this game? Is it simply get Frank Gore and Colin Kaepernick going in the running game and contain that high-scoring Ravens offense? 
Absolutely. I uh, I think you got to give Frank Gore the football. Gore's been the workhorse for this team for years now, and uh, it's great that San Francisco's doing well, and he's uh, he's getting a lot of spotlight because of it now. I think you give him the football, give him Michael James a few carries, run, run, run the ball, take the pressure off of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Gore should be seeing at least 20 carries this game. Give him Michael James another five, maybe even 10 carries. Mm. Give Anthony Dixon a couple touches. You got to try to run it down their throats, and uh, by the fourth quarter, hopefully, you'll be uh, wearing down the Ravens' defense. Once again, we're here with Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen. Cooper, um, flipping to the Ravens' side, uh, are they going to be more effective running the ball against this tough 49ers defense? Very physical. They've gotten. Uh, Ray Rice, a lot more touches since Jim Caldwell has been the offensive coordinator. Or are they going to keep it through the air with Joe Flacco? Eight touchdowns through the playoffs, no interceptions. That's a tough one, Dave. Um, I'm a big fan, big Ray Rice fan. He's a great running back, and as you mentioned, he's been getting a lot more touches. But I think in this game they're going to have more success through the air. San Francisco has got a great running defense, and uh, I think Baltimore has a better matchup in the passing game. Dennis Pitta mm-hmm. developing into a pretty solid tight end. You have uh, Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden on the outside. Right. And even Jacoby Jones in the slot can come up with a big play here and there. So I think uh, I think you'll see a lot of Dennis Pitta, a lot of Torrey Smith, a lot of Anquan Bolden in this game. It'll be up to Flacco to make a few big plays. Of course, J- Jacoby Jones came up with a big play against the Broncos to tie the game and send it into overtime. So we've gotten down to prediction time, Cooper. Who do you got in Super Bowl forty-seven? That's a tough choice. It's going to be a really, uh, really close game, hard contested, two top defenses. I really think it's going to come down to the special teams play. Mm. We have Ted Ginn Jr., Jacoby Jones, two great returners. Uh, Justin Tucker's been clutch for uh, Baltimore. And I really think it's going to come down to who makes the big play first. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. As we saw in the game against Atlanta, uh, David Akers missed the field goal there. He... Mm. Um, he hasn't been great in playoffs recently, and it could come down to a miss by him or um, just them having a punt because they're not in his range. Right. And I really think uh, Baltimore is going to come out on top, maybe by a field goal or touchdown at most. I'm glad you bring up uh, David Akers, an interesting uh, little byline in this in this Super Bowl. A rookie cor- uh, rookie kicker for the um, Ravens with Justin Tucker, and then the struggling veteran David Akers for the 49ers. Yeah, exactly. He, um, David Akers has had a great career, but he's really struggled this uh, this season, missing 13 field goals. Right. He missed a key field goal in Atlanta that would have tied the game, and uh, he's got to come up big for San Francisco or they're not going to win this football game. Real quick before we let you go, Cooper, uh, can you give us a little preview of your, your latest article, um, the 2012 redraft article, uh, of the the you redrafted the first round of the 2012 NFL draft. Can you give us a little preview uh, to our listeners? Um, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Um, we looked back at the 2012 draft, and uh, over the course of the season, we saw some great rookie performances. Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins got a game in here and there. Alfred Morris, all these guys were taken outside of the first round. Mm-hmm. So I figured it'd be interesting to look back and see who would have. Uh, who would have gone in the first round now that uh, teams know how the players uh, 
prepared. So Russell Wilson definitely wouldn't be lasting until the third round. He'd be going early in the first, I'd, um, I'd assume. So, uh, right. yeah, take a look at that. That's an uh, interesting piece that I wrote there. Yeah, very interesting. I, I haven't checked it out yet myself, but I am intrigued by it. Can you give us uh, a little preview? Where did Russell Wilson end up going? Uh, he went uh, number three to the Cleveland Browns. Oh, wow. I, uh, I had him there. The Browns took Trent Richardson and Brandon Whedon, hoping to establish the running back and quarterback uh, combo. But uh, I stuck with that. But I went with Russell Wilson with the third pick, and then they got Alfred Morris with the 22nd pick. Oh, wow. Okay, so a little diff- different uh, rookies at each position. Yeah, exactly. It'd be very interesting to see how well Cleveland would have done this year with Wilson and Morris as opposed to Whedon and Trent Richardson. Right, could have perhaps uh, saved Pat Shermer's job. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we'll let our listeners check out the rest of that article, find out where Trent Richardson end up going, or Brandon Whedon, obviously not in Cleveland. Once again, the article by Cooper Allen, 2012 NFL Draft, redrafting the first round. Cooper, thank you very much for coming on today's show. Not a problem, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity. Once again, that was Football Nation contributor Cooper Allen. He's been an excellent writer for the website for the past year or so. Uh, An Arizona Cardinal fan, but you couldn't really tell. um, No bias against the San Francisco 49ers in his analysis, at least in my opinion. Uh, We're going to take one more quick break, and then we're going to come back, and I will put on my own little tidbits for Super Bowl Forty Seven. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Super Bowl 47, in case you live under a rock, uh, will will be between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers trying to go a perfect 6-0 in their sixth Super Bowl appearance, their first since 1994. Baltimore making just their second Super Bowl appearance. They are 1-0. They defeated the New York Giants in the 2000 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 35. What I see in this game, I I think we covered a lot of uh, the major points with Cooper Allen. Um, Personally, I've been going back and forth all week with my my pick to see who wins or pick who will win. Um, I I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to have trouble containing that running game from San Francisco uh, with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, We saw what he could do against a man-to-man defense against Green Bay, uh, Baltimore is going to have to play a lot of zone in their uh, passing game, which or passing defensive passing game is what I meant, um, which I think they do normally. Uh, so that won't be a big change. But they also have to contain a guy like Frank Gore, which we saw Atlanta wasn't able to contain a Colin Kaepernick, but uh, they were able to contain Kaepernick, excuse me, but they weren't able to contain Frank Gore. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, both like a two-headed monster um, that San Francisco has in their, their rushing attack. As Cooper Allen uh, pointed out, maybe it's in Baltimore's best interest for Colin Kaepernick to be running the ball and have them uh, have uh, Kaepernick beat, have to beat them, uh, beat the, the Ravens' defense. And, you know, the Ravens have a very productive 
offense with uh, Ray Rice and uh, Bernard Pierce at running back. Got big weapons in the the passing game with uh, Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith coming into his own in his second season, and the slot receiver that Allen also mentioned, uh, Jacoby Jones. Um, I think uh, Joe Flacco is going to have to shine um, and, and be the guy for the Ravens if they're going to win this game. He's been perfect so far this postseason. I don't see the 49ers giving up much on the ground with Ray Rice and, and Pierce. Uh, so I think Flacco's got to be the guy once again. And that's why it's it's really hard to not pick San Francisco in this game because they because of their ability to run the ball and stop the run. And I think they're going to be able to do that against Baltimore. Cooper Allen mentioned the special teams very briefly. I think it's worth mentioning again. David Akers, the kicker for the 49ers, a veteran, has been in only one Super Bowl and has really struggled this season uh, and has struggled through the playoffs as well. Um, on the Ravens' side, they got rid of their kicker from last year uh, who missed a big kick in New England, and they brought in this rookie, Justin Tucker. Uh, he's been fine through the playoffs. He's still a rookie. He's worth watching, I think, through the through the Super Bowl and through the game to see uh, how he reacts to um, kicking in the big game, the Super Bowl. I, I think this this game is going to be very close. It's going to come down. It could come down to a made field goal or a missed field goal. Uh, and the the punters, I think, are pretty even. Andy Lee, though, for the 49ers, one of the best in the league. If it becomes a field position game, I, again, I, I'm going to point uh, the, the favor towards the 49ers. That being said, <laughs> I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens to win this game. Uh, I, earlier in last week, I had San Francisco was my gut feeling. But the more and more I thought about it, Baltimore just, just has something going. You know, and, and we've seen in years past, you know, the Giants on paper just didn't look like they were going to be able to stay with New England. The, the Giants won that game. Uh, the year before, Pittsburgh and Green Bay, two pretty even teams. Uh, but Green Bay really took it to Pittsburgh. Uh, if you look at it, the statistics, the score was close, but Green Bay really dominated the game, and they had the weaker record. Uh, I, I see a similar thing happening here. Baltimore, just a 10-6 and 6 team. They have their holes on defense this year. They're a little bit older, a little slower, but they're going to produce turnovers. I think that's the big difference. You saw that in New England. They gave up over 400 yards on offense, but they got the turnovers against a team that barely turns the ball over. Tom Brady throwing two interceptions. They got another fumble. I think they're going to do that again. They're going to give up the rushing yards to Gore and Kaepernick. They're going to give up the passing yards Randy Moss is going to get some catches. Same with Crabtree and uh, Vernon Davis. But I think the Ravens are going to be able to confuse Kaepernick a little bit in the passing game, uh, pick him off once or twice, and who knows, maybe get another fumble. And I think two or three turnovers, and if Flacco can take care of the ball like he has, and I think he will, I'm picking Baltimore to win this game in a very close one. And, I, and also... I, despite having a rookie, I think they have the advantage in the field goal kicking game. Uh, a final score. I haven't given that much thought, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Baltimore wins 31 to 28. So I'm gonna give the the field goal is the difference in, in the game. It should be a really tightly contested game. I would not be surprised at all if San Francisco wins, 
Uh, but I'm going to, something tells me deep down inside, this is Baltimore's game. Uh, the Ravens win their second Super Bowl. We're going to take one more quick break. Uh, I'm going to give you some preview articles to read this week before the Super Bowl, and then we'll wrap up today's show. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. That'll be all for today's show. Uh, there's articles, all kinds of great stuff up on footballnation.com, dissecting every angle there is of, of this year's Super Bowl, Super Bowls of past, a uh, couple articles from myself uh, talking about the elite quarterback controversy or, or issue for many teams and fans uh, around the league. Of course, this year's Super Bowl featuring two quarterbacks that haven't exactly been uh, named elite quarterbacks. And I think that's worth mentioning and, and worth debating uh, around the NFL. You don't have to have an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So check out that article of mine. I also wrote uh, the top 10 Super Bowl matchups of all time included uh, this year's Super Bowl 47 on the list. Uh, I won't tell you where it lands, but uh, interesting, I thought, little um, different way to um, look at uh, Super Bowls of past. Of course, the big matchup, we didn't even talk about it on the show, uh, brother versus brother, Harbaugh versus Harbaugh. Um, a great uh, storyline from this year's Super Bowl. What other great storylines have there been in Super Bowls of past? Check out that article. Of course, we have... The article Cooper Allen previewed for you during his interview. I think that one will be really interesting to read. He redoes all of uh, the first round of last year's NFL draft, how players would land now knowing how they did in their first season in the NFL. And the last one I want to reference is by Gary Jordan, uh, entitled The Five Worst Super Bowl Winning Teams of All Time. Uh, quite, uh, I, I would say, a, a little bit controversial um, he picked some teams that barely won the game or, or didn't, in his mind, I think, didn't deserve to win the game. Um, and uh, there, there's, it's in the slideshow. He picks five of them. Uh, definitely something worth checking out, uh, at least for the debate. It's fun to debate. That's what this website is about, um, coming up with these interesting lists. And there's all kinds of great stuff up there this week for the Super Bowl. Of course, Gary Jordan, congratulations to you. Over 11,000 views on that article already, and I'm hoping to help you out and get you close to 12,000, where you're approaching already 11,700. Don't forget, we will have our, I believe, what will be the last episode of the season uh, for of, of uh, Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle next Monday morning, recapping what should be a great Super Bowl. Uh, make sure that you stay tuned for that episode which should be the last one of the year. Uh, I didn't drop my Twitter. I'd love to hear uh, your comments about today's show. Uh, tweet at me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Email me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Search Dave's Football News. Until the Super Bowl, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. Don't you know?